Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Listeners, welcome back to Joe vs. the Minute, where we are taking you to the volcano and beyond, <laughs> one minute at a time. I'm Jarf, and that recognizable laugh that you've come to love so well is Tierney. Hello, Tierney. Hey, Jarf. Happy Minute 94. Happy Minute 94. I 94. am <laughs> feeling so nostalgic about our podcast looking back on all of these weeks. I can't believe this is our second to last week. But here we are, and Joe and Patricia have survived their jump into the volcano, and that means we're talking about Minute 94, which starts with Patricia and Joe relieved to be alive And it ends with Joe's trunks rising triumphantly from the sea, which, yes, listeners, that is exactly how Tierney wrote it in our production spreadsheet. This is not just my sex-positive jarf perviness at work. Look, there's a musical (laughs) cue. (laughs) So... I don't know what you expected me to write. (laughs) I did not read that as pervy at all. But now I understand that trunks could mean something other than luggage. Yes, we are on the same page. So what were your takeaways from this minute? Uh, My first takeaway from this minute happens in second two. (laughs) It might even start in (laughs) second one, which is that I love that they see each other in the water. They're laughing. They're relieved hysterical. And you see Joe reaches up a hand and like touches her face yes but because they're both bobbing it's not like an affectionate holding he's like kind of whacking her face a little bit in the water yeah and it's very charming and real feeling yeah charming and real feeling because this this isn't like a cgi situation they really put them in a tank and they're really bobbing around so <laughs> it, this is just it's an, hard to coordinate yeah it's an actor trying to do this gesture are you real are you really there but it's not the easiest thing to do when you're you, you're bobbing around in the water but yeah, I like that. And those waves and she, are going in their mouths. They're still, you know, it's the whole thing. And she reciprocates. She touches his face. Are you really real? And <laughs> actually, Jarv, the line is, "Why aren't you dead?" <laughs> right. I don't know. Why aren't you dead? Why aren't you dead? <laughs> That is the most beautifully real exchange after an emergency situation. I thought that was really funny writing too. I would think the natural thing to think was, why are we alive? But it's (laughs) it's like, I I know I'm alive, but why aren't you dead? (laughs) Oh, it's, uh, and, and my other big takeaway from this minute is, this minute, the theme of this week really is Patricia's optimism versus Joe's pessimism. Yes, that is definitely the theme of the week. And it struck me that this this hasn't been a consistent theme throughout their relationship. Can you think of earlier times when Joe was pessimistic and Patricia was offering that counterpoint like no things are okay things are great all i remember is her being soul sick and and her having her own issues with her father so what is your 
What's your take on this kind of switch in their dynamic? Well, they've never had that. But if you think of even when they met, she was being playful. She was being bratty, but playful. And he was got very defensive very quickly. Uh, this feels like a, like the mood is different, but it's that same dynamic. He is, he immediately jumps to like, what's wrong? Why are you doing this to me? And she's like, because I do what I want. And uh, the same thing when they're on the boat talking about their dreams for the future. Joe was just, in a, he wasn't as pessimistic, but he was very like, how do you get used to this? I find myself completely boring. Like, it, there's just kind of a little bit of that Debbie Downer lurking underneath his suave, I'm going to put a move on this lady if she doesn't mind that I'm going to die after jumping into a volcano. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's the same thing. On the island, he's being very smooth. He's being very confident. But he's still, you know, he he never had that optimism. And I think it's funny that he immediately reverts to it. So it's one of those things. It's funny. You said we haven't seen this dynamic between them before. And I think you are right. I don't think we've seen this before. But I don't think it contradicts anything that we saw. It kind of makes sense that, I mean, you can you can be soul-sick and an optimist. You can be an optimist and occasionally be depressed and, like, be kind of wondering what you're doing with your life and a little bit worried about the choices you're making. And you can be a pessimist who's the hero of the hour and, you know, enjoying yourself a little bit. Yeah. I like it. I like all of that analysis because the closest parallel that I could find is Nikki and I. So my wife and I, we were both anxious people. We both have things that we obsess over and we feel a lot of dread about, but they tend to be different things. So we are still able to understand each other and support and complement each other, which is not usually the way that it's portrayed in movies. Movies like to show, okay, there's one person who is very serious and worried, and then there's one person who is carefree and everything's fine. And those are that is the combination that Hollywood likes to put together and say like, oh, these are the two that will meet in the middle and they're going to bring out the best in each other. This Paula Abdul dances with a cartoon cat. Yes, thing. exactly. But I find the fact that both Nikki and I have this tendency for anxiety means, okay, I, I can understand and see when she's being anxious. And even if it's not something that I am anxious about, mm -hmm. I can relate to it. And in fact, because I have felt that myself, it makes me respond in a more empathetic way. And it makes me realize now is the time for me to be the one to walk her back from the ledge just as she has walked me back from the ledge so many times before. So that's where Joe and Patricia are now. And I really like that because we see Joe and Patricia do not have a lot in common, but they're also not, you know, opposites of each other. They have some things that they have in common and some things that they don't. And I think what you're describing is 
way more common. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. He does seem a little calm about this island. He goes, there goes the last of a pony woo. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad we don't have a guest who is a uh, physics doctorate today because oh the way the volcano sinks into the what is that i just remember a lot of armchair scientists when titanic came out in the 90s explaining that uh the boat would have sucked everyone down with it do you remember hearing that like that's why they had to jump away from the boat and people being like uh you can't jump far enough away from where they were No, that I I wasn't so involved in the discourse around Titanic, but I can imagine. You were a 12-year-old girl in 1997. I wasn't. (laughs) It was a time, let me tell (laughs) you. Yeah, a lot of times I wonder what it was, what life was like for people who are really just a little bit younger than me just 10 years younger than me, their experience of the internet and fandom and and discourse around movies, I think was so different than mine because the internet was introduced er- relatively earlier in their lives. That's My sister is seven years younger than me and I, on the reg, forget that we are in the same generation. Yeah. It's... Because we just had completely... And it's so funny because we went to all the same schools, blah, 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 blah. And so you'd think it'd be really similar, but actually she was just operating on a whole different level. She had a computer in her room from the time she was three. That one was not hooked up to the internet, but it was in her room. So she could play her computer games. She got bored one summer in middle school, so she taught herself to code. Uh, she had Neopets she had to take care of. That was never a thing that existed in my brain. And it's just, I feel like a lot of people in our generation went through that I'm going to be a filmmaker phase. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't filmmaker, it, you were going to be a musician or, you know, like there were. Yeah. I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker actually for uh, for some time. Yeah. Running around your hometown with, you know, uh, a video camera with the little mini tapes the mini DV tapes and everything, that was very much a rite of passage. And I guess, it, you know, maybe you had a digital one, fancy schmancy. She only did that because I was doing it and it was already in the house. Like, yes, that's why I will never make fun of people's dumb TikTok videos because mm-hmm. I remember the extraordinarily dumb home movies that me and my brother and my friends made. And I am so thankful that those were never released to the internet. (laughs) Most of them would just be embarrassingly dumb. Probably some of them would would be offensive just because we were teenagers and, you know, you have a lot to learn. Hmm. uh, we, We weren't deliberately creating hate speech uh, but we were definitely dumb teenagers and was rapping involved at any point in time (laughs) i don't probably i mean this was the 90s i say that because i recently i was watching sesame street as one does when you have a toddler in the house and I just had it on like random YouTube old Sesame Street videos, like uh, one after the other. 
And I came across a video of Rosie O'Donnell to Elmo rapping the ABCs in the 90s. Yes. And it in ended, the 90s? and I just turned to Chris <laughs> and I said, did we just watch a hate crime? Like, what was <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad. Yes. The 90s were very much the, okay, the Pillsbury Doughboy, but what if he rapped <laughs> era? predates that it does not suffer from that although we do have a musical interlude with people wearing pastels fishing which feels like it's it's filling a different pop culture time slot yes it does and actually speaking of musical interludes there's there's a question that i have been wanting to pose to you and our listeners so we've we've heaped a lot of love on the soundtrack for this movie and i wouldn't change it for the world but i've been wondering what would you imagine as substitutes if they made this movie but only used contemporary music Hmm. so i one of the things that reminded me of this idea is our guest from last week, Niall, brought up the Waterboy song, Hole of the Moon. And I could 100% imagine that song being used as sort of a love theme of the song or maybe used during the moment where Joe sees the moon. And I, I think that that I think that might be a fun poll to do in our on our listeners luggage raft if you were gonna try to do one for one like what's the 80s virgin virgin what's the 80s version of 16 tons what's the 80s uh, version of old man river for that scene where he's just got his diagnosis, right? So that might be a little bit interesting. I don't I don't think it's going to improve it, but it's yeah, fun to imagine. It, it's so hard because my first response is I hate it for this movie because it roots it in that late 80s time period so strongly. Right. And there are movies where that works. Actually, I just recently watched um, Bad Education, Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, fabulous. It is a story from 2002 and over the end credits. And and most of the time, you know, that only matters because, you know, the technology was different. Timing was different. But to the point of the story, it doesn't matter when it is. Over the credits, they play a Dido song. And I felt it in my soul as someone who lived through 2002. That like, <laughs> yes, this is right. Like it, it felt right. And it sat in my chest and my heart in happiness. And I was like, that is the perfect amount of rooting that in the time period. <laughs> and... To me, part of the appeal of Joe versus the Volcano is its timelessness. Yeah, agreed. So I don't know that I would change that. Now, if we were to remove the score and replace the score with songs, and they have to have been published prior to, you know, 1990. They have to have come out, you know, when this movie, when or before this movie was being made then I think you could have a really fun afternoon playing around on Spotify. Yeah. Um, 
I can't think of any off the top of my head, of course, because that would be just too convenient for my brain to come up with. But I like the score. It's a little simplistic in these minutes, but hey, it's fine. Like when when the island is sinking, you get the somber. And then I love the musical cue for the trunks. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's it's so satisfying because they're like you said, they're bobbing around in the water, the splashing in their face the whole nine yards. And Joe points out, you know, they're a million miles from nowhere. They're gonna drown. That's the end of it. And I again, not a huge fan of these line readings from Meg Ryan, but I enjoy the sentiment. I get it. That's fine. Uh, she says, I we're gonna be okay. I don't know how, but we're gonna be okay. And all of a sudden, a noise attracts their attention, and they both look over, and it is a a musical flourish. <laughs> yeah, I I love the musical flourish. Have you tried to headcanon how is it that the trunks are arriving at this perfect moment? Well, they were, they shouldn't have been sucked down, but just like with the boat, they went, well, the boat they were underneath. Who knows? Maybe they were, you know, maybe they had rocks on top of them or something, And, it, and it, but they're tight, watertight, tight as a drum. <laughs> uh, I, I have not had canoned it. It's movie magic. That's just what happens. <laughs> I've always thought of it as movie magic too, but since we were looking at it one minute at a time, yeah. I, I thought... Okay, so they were pinned under something, and then the volcanic <laughs> eruption disturbed it. So if you want to have some kind of explanation, there you go. The island sinks very sedately. It's a very dignified end for the volcano. It's a very dignified end. I don't... This... That's not how volcanoes work. No, They don't erupt and then sink into the... What is supposed to There's be happening? There's no lava coming out. Just orange light <laughs> right and then just this volcano going like also not how islands work no. i don't know if you're aware of this but it's not ocean underneath them <laughs> right. so they literally can't sink if you were thinking about vacationing on an island but were nervous that it would sink into the ocean worry not my friends because that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's so, not how it works. And as I've said before, I am annoyed that they they just write off the entire indigenous population of yep. Waponi Woo and yep. with just a, a like, well, there they go. But now that we're in these minutes, I see why how he's written himself into a corner with the fate of the Waponi Woo. Because if if they jumped into the volcano and then, quote unquote, cool steam <laughs> shot them out and they survived and nothing happened to the island, then they could just swim back to shore and live on the island. No problem. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't give this whole, it doesn't give this ending where it's, but what's going to happen to us? Well, we don't know. But we're going to have faith, which I think is so important to the theme. So I mm-hmm. think somehow, some way, they had to take the island out of the picture as a possible route of safety for Joe and Patricia. And that's mm-hmm. where they got stuck in this like, okay, well, they all die. Yeah. 
from the <laughs> volcano. Too bad. Yeah. Now, what I would have, what I would have done, is just showed them getting on some lifeboats. Why can't you show the Waponi Woo escaping? Because then you run back into the Titanic thing. That's not better. <laughs> oh, this whole like, oh, but they would be drawn under the. I, I think people throw physics out the window when they watch this movie. I've just noticed almost any other movie that you watch, if they introduce some character that you care about at all, they're gonna add, they're gonna edit in some little scene to show. Don't worry, they're all right. Uh, I, mm, Jarf, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but you started it. You mentioned it. Tom <laughs> Hanks himself. Would you disagree with Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Joe Banks says the volcano spit them out. They jumped in and it spit them out. That is all. That is not cool steam. That is not a fluke. It's still a miracle, but that the volcano rejected them. Oh no, we're back on this. Look, it had to be said. They said it. <laughs> well, we should wrap this up and find out. You know, the trunks have arrived. So I'm very excited to talk more luggage on Wednesday. I'm excited to talk more luggage too. So where to now, Tierney? A moment of silence for Pony Woo, of course. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go when the volcano blows. Let me say it now. I don't know. That's a growler.